Hall on Radio Massachusetts. Episode number 43. As always, Andrew Fantuccio, Ben Mamaritas, and the man with the easiest name in the Zoom, Mr. Jason Snow. Guys, NBA Finals, Game 1. Lakers take Game 1 in the series, up 1-0. What are your takeaways from it, Jason? Takeaways? Well, the obvious one. Injuries kill. And... I think, you know, the Heat got off to a pretty good start in the first quarter, and then Goran Dragic goes down. And then Jimmy Butler, which seems to be the least severe out of the three, Bam, Goran, and and Jimmy Butler, all three down with injuries. Jimmy's looked like the most severe just looking at it, but he played the rest of the game. Even down 30, he was in there, and he looks pretty confident going forward. So it's crushing. And and the Lakers, you kind of saw their ceiling. And I said in the last episode, Lakers, when their ceiling is the highest when – KCP's hitting shots, Kuzma's hitting shots. Everyone's hitting on all cylinders. Well, you saw that. And and LeBron didn't really have to dominate the game in the points category. So I thought that was really key for the Lakers going forward. I picked the Lakers in six. I think I'm going to shorten into Lakers in four. I just don't see Miami really pulling through to, you know, make it much of a series. Yeah, the injuries, the injuries suck for the, for the heat. And those are their, Arguably your three best players right there, Jimmy, Goron, and Bam. And for the Lakers, Anthony Davis put on a show, obviously, in the scoring column, but I'm looking at LeBron, 25 points, 13 boards, nine assists. He was spreading the ball around. He was moving the ball, like you said, Jason. And I can I can already hear Skip Bayless right now. This is the easiest path to a championship LeBron has ever had. Miami's decimated by injuries. Lakers are going to roll this team in four, probably. But listen, I don't want that to take away anything from what this Lakers team is doing because it's an, it's been an impressive run right now for the Lakers. And I think they're going to win this in four, like you said, Jason. And the Heat, the big thing with the Heat was when their players go down with injuries, their other players need to step up. Duncan Robinson, 27 minutes, zero points. That just shouldn't happen. And Tyler Hero played 30 minutes and only had 14 points. And I know those guys are young. They're rookies. They're kind of, you know, first time in the finals. The pressure was there. It was visible. It was palpable. So you can't really have that in a finals game. But I expect the Heat to, you know, bounce back. But I just think the Lakers are just too much for the Heat right now. I mean, my takeaway initially is Miami's finally facing a legit playoff opponent that's not overlooking them and has some real experience in the playoffs. You know, going through the Pacers, the Bucks, the Celtics is one thing, but now they're facing LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Lakers. I think LA is like the one team that can really match the Heat in terms of grit and determination, but plus talent. They have, they're infinitely more talented than the Heat are. And in the NBA, talent wins out. Miami's had a great run, but now they're running into a buzzsaw, and you can't really blame them for getting outplayed by a team led by LeBron James. As for the injuries, I mean, these are huge. I still kind of expect this series to go five because I still don't want to count the Heat. I think the Heat are good enough to at least win one game. But losing Bam, losing Drogic, those guys are both doubtful for tonight. Losing Drogic, for one thing, you know, that puts way more pressure on guys like Hero and Robinson who are young, never been in the playoffs before. This is huge for them. It's, those guys really need to play well tonight if, it's, if it, Heat want to have any chance in the series. But even more so, the loss of Bam Adebayo. Because now who's guarding Anthony Davis? Bam Adebayo's been maybe the best defensive player in the playoffs this season. But he was eaten alive by AD in game one. So now who's, who do you have defending Anthony Davis? Kelly Olenek or Myers Leonard? 
please like get ready for a real mismatch heading into game two tonight. And I'm going to say it now, Anthony Davis winning finals MVP. If my, if a uh, Bam Adebayo is out for the rest of the series. Didn't we say going into the series that Miami's margin for error is razor thin? Like you can, you need everything to go your way. Now, pretty much everything went upside down. It's a nightmare for Miami. I, maybe they grab a game because Spolster is just a wizard, but I don't know. Yeah, for the Lakers, you can't just look at the injuries and say we're going to walk this thing. We're we're just going to walk the dog through this series. That's kind of what Miami wants you to think at this point. Lakers, just keep your foot on the gas. Just keep going and kind of expect any sort of Houdini stuff Spolster is going to throw at you because you know he's going to get creative now because what do you got to lose? <laughs> Your top three players are all hobbled. Yep. You're just trying to limp out of this series alive. That's pretty much all you're asking for if you're Miami. We saw the Heat, you know, they lose by 18 in game one. They were down by as many as 30 points uh, early in the third quarter. Is Are the Lakers infinitely that much better than Miami or should game two be much closer? If Miami is completely healthy, like how how big is this gap truly? I think it's I think it's sizable because just because of the pedigree that's on the Lakers right now. I mean, LeBron and AD, those are two top five players in the league. the The Heat don't have anyone like that. The closest one to that is Jimmy Butler, who I would say is top ten right now. But I mean, you could also argue that Bam Adebayo has been playing better than him in these playoffs. I mean, Bam Adebayo has just been going off. And there is stretches throughout these playoffs that Bam Adebayo carried this Heat team. So they just have the pedigree. Like I said, I keep saying this, but like, you know, Danny Green, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, if there's anyone else on the Lakers that have championship experience, remind me. But like these are just veterans versus unexperienced players in these situations. And I think that's where you're seeing the the big gap. And, you know, like the Lakers bench, was celebrating, uh, you know, when they were up big and LeBron was going in that huddle saying, like, hey, like, this this isn't over. This isn't over. We need to, like, hunker down and really, like, we need to finish this because the job isn't finished. Yeah, I think the gap is is pretty big, um, especially if the Lakers continue to play how they did in game one. Lakers made 40% of their threes, owned the glass. Its turnovers were pretty similar, but the field goal percentage was there for the Lakers. The Lakers had five guys in double figures. Five. And on yep. a team that we kind of questioned their depth and was like, are they going to have enough? Like, where's their third star? They got production out of Danny Green. Rondo was making 45% of his threes. Like, what on earth? Out of um, nowhere. <laughs> like, they're hitting on all cylinders. So if the Lakers continue to play how they are now, it's going to be four blowout wins. I'm, I'm sorry. It, it's just, if the Lakers at their ceiling, and LeBron, like a lot of those points were in garbage time when it was fourth quarter, and I was just like, why is he still in? At the end of the three quarters, he had like 14 points. And I was like, they're up by 30 and LeBron is like 14. Oh my gosh. I, I was blown away. I didn't know KCP could make that those many shots consistently. Well, I guess consistent. I'll have to wait a few more games to use the word consistently. But I didn't know like that roster had that much depth on that team. My strategy for the Heat in this series was double LeBron, put your biggest pests on him and Jimmy Butler and uh, Jay Crowder and just hope and pray Bam Adebayo can defend Anthony Davis one-on-one. Bam Adebayo was eaten alive by Anthony Davis. LeBron was still able to pass out to uh, other wings, and those guys were able to hit their shots. That's the case for the rest of this series. Miami doesn't have a shot. Miami doesn't have a chance. 
I would like to think, just given how well they played down the stretch throughout these playoffs, taking down teams like the Bucks and the Celtics, I really want to give Miami more credit, but not when the Lakers are playing like this. So given that, is tonight now a game – is tonight game two now a must-win for the Heat, Jason? Every game is a must-win for the Heat. And even dating back to last series, and pretty much every game Miami's had, like post-Indiana series, against Milwaukee, against the Celtics, against the Lakers, every single game they played is a must-win because you never know when those three teams are going to turn things around. So any game in the NBA Finals is a must-win. I'm not... I think that's a cliche that's used like far too often. Like it's the NBA finals. Of course, every game is a must win, but for Miami, like in order to gain steam, like they can't afford to get down 2 0. And I could make the argument that the series is over now. Like they need to, they need to do something. A one like shining part of this whole thing is Kendrick Nunn. Didn't play yes. too much in the playoffs. Had came down with COVID, had a nice regular season, started over Dragic for, for many stretches in the regular season. Uh, was one of the all rookie teams. He had pretty good, strong performance late in that game. I think he was – I'm not going to say that he contributed, tr- contributed to the entire thing, but especially in the second half, cutting that lead from 30 to around 14, Kendrick Nunn was the leading factor in that. And he had, I want to say he had like 15 points. So it, if he can keep up that momentum, maybe that's a, that's a shot in the dark for the Heat, but I don't know. Yeah, I just don't think – without Bam Adebayo, without someone who can legitimately guard – Anthony Davis, the Heat don't have 100%. any chance. Like that, that was that was a Bam Adebayo is their make or break player right now. As good as Jimmy Butler's been, as good as Drogic has been, the key matchup was Davis versus Adebayo. And now, you know, Davis is going to be guarded by guy and either by either Myers Leonard, who's played in one game so far this postseason, or Kelly Olynyk, who's a turnstile on the defensive end of the floor. Like this is exactly the unique. And that's not like it's it's almost impossible to guard Anthony Davis. He's Anthony Davis. He's a top five player in the NBA. It's just it's a tough ask. And Autobio was their only chance. Maybe you can you put Crowder and maybe just hope he can kind of pest him and just be. Is that a chance? I don't know. That's I'm, that's the key for the Heat right there. Stopping Anthony Davis. You know, I like the strategy of uh, throwing Bam Autobio on him when he's healthy, but like you could also argue that. Like, yeah, you want to double LeBron, obviously, but I would also want to double AD because, like, AD's really special, right? I mean, he's talented. I don't know. Like, Bam is great, but AD's one of those players. Like I said, top five player. You kind of want to double him, too. And now, especially that Bam's out, I think you're going to start seeing double teams go to AD when he has the ball, which which is really going to put heat in, in hot water right there because you double AD and – you don't double LeBron or you double LeBron and you don't double AD, there's going to be problems for the heat. And that's going to be a huge, that's going to be a huge thing for me looking uh, going forward, you know, looking at the heat because I don't know how they're going to defend that. I don't, I don't think, like you said, Andrew, Kelly Olenek is going to be barbecue chicken, Anthony Davis. I'm sorry. Of course. I mean, they're dead. The heat are damned if they do damn if they don't, it's between a rock and a hard place. You yeah. can either guard a uh, top, three player all time or you double him or you can guard Anthony Davis who's a top five player in the NBA right now you're it's it's an impossible situation to be in I mean I think the strategy was you know when I when I came up with it was you know you I would give Anthony Davis I would give Bam Adebayo a better chance of guarding Anthony Davis one-on-one than I would give Jay Crowder or Jimmy Butler guarding LeBron James one-on-one 
That's just sort of what I felt. I felt like Bam out Bam Adebayo can at least match Anthony Davis physically. Yeah. But now, will you have Kelly Olynyk, who's kind of just a string bean out there? Absolutely not. Myers Leonard, who's been you know Myers Leonard's a big guy, but he's not Bam Adebayo, and he's only played in one game so far this postseason. Yeah. Stopping Anthony Davis has to be the number one priority now. I have a question, and I I know we don't have a ton of time to spend on this, and I don't want to turn into turn this into a rant. But Ben, when LeBron wins this finals, are we going to look back on this and say, Miami was hurt. That's a half chance. That hardly even counts. Like, who, who is even there? Like, are we going to have that discussion, Ben? I just want to get it out in the open now. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this. What, what- ben, before you go, I'm going to answer that question. Uh, absolutely not. The only criticism that I could throw at the Lakers at this point is if they lose the finals, which I don't see happening. But they were supposed to be there. Yeah, it's against a Miami Heat team, but this Heat team showed that they're a real uh, contender in the East. Maybe they weren't the best team in the East, but they showed that they be- they deserved to be up there. So I don't think there should be any uh, shade thrown at LeBron and the Lakers. But I'm not Ben Mamoritas. Like in ten- I'm talking about in like 10 years when Ben and I inevitably have this debate again. Like, are we going to, in hindsight, look at this and be like, and just like recount this? Ben, please. So... What do you always tell me, Jason, when when we talk about the Jordan versus LeBron thing and you're like, oh, Jordan never faced Golden State in the finals. Jordan never had to face the Spurs, blah, blah, blah. And now you're facing an injury-riddled Heat team. Look, I'm I'm not going to – like I said, I'm not knocking LeBron for winning this title. I think he deserves it. I think he – you know, a ring is a ring, right? And I think you got to give the guy credit. But there are going to be people – I'm not going to be one of them because I think, you know, with everything with the bubble, it's, it's very difficult to play in the bubble. I think that's an achievement in itself to win a title in the bubble. I think it doesn't hurt his legacy, but it like doesn't like it obviously helps his legacy, but it, it, it doesn't hurt it. I don't think it does anyway. And Jordan was winning his titles and against healthy teams. So it wasn't like, but then again, he, he has a whopping six to LeBron's three, but we won't get into that. Okay. So I just wanted to have this on the record. So, so that in no, you know, a couple no, of years uh, yeah. down the road, so you won't be one of those guys. All right. Even though no, you know, I mean, Jordan yeah, had Phil Jackson, but yeah, Jordan had Phil Jackson. So what? I mean, Tom Brady had Bill Belichick. So good. That makes, that makes them a better player. But you know, if you're, I give, I'm I'm going to give, LeBron credit where credit is due. Like I said, top three player of all time. If he wins Finals MVP in this series and just plays, you know, absurd, I'm ready to put him above Kareem. And I look forward to this discussion. So, wow, Ben, that's a big step for you. We're hey, proud he's, of you. he's still, he's still, still not better than Jordan. He's just not. <laughs> <laughs> Jason <laughs> closes his mouth and throwing away the key. That's about all the time we have for the NBA Finals. We'll look at a little bit ahead to next season, especially for the Philadelphia 76ers, who have a brand new head coach, Doc Rivers, leaves LA immediately scooped up in Philly. Our thoughts next here on Radio Massasoit. <laughs> And welcome back to the final call. This episode is brought to you by New England Sports United. Written for New England by the one and only Jason Snow. The easiest 
name in the Zoom. A great publication. Big surprise to everyone but me. Doc Rivers is the new head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Who called that? Oh. Oh, it was me. I was the one that called it. <laughs> Can we not act like this is something that came out of nowhere? Benny, hey, segue. I I at least had it. the Sixers on my list. I said I last episode it. it would be either Houston, Philadelphia, or New Orleans. Philadelphia was my second pick. So let's just not say that you were the only one, but you were the one who had them first. Don't, so, take, the, don't take this, don't take <laughs> this away from me, Andrew. <laughs> anyway, the question I want to pose to you guys is this. First of all, I want your reactions, but also how does Doc Rivers fit in Philadelphia and how do you think that's going to look going forward? I think it's a good fit. The 76ers needed a head coach who can keep them motivated and focused on winning. Uh, They needed the exact opposite of what Brett Brown was, which was just a clown and a joke. And that's exactly what Doc Rivers is. I mean, besides Greg Popovich, Doc Rivers is probably the most respected head coach in the NBA among players. And they will command that type of respect from his players. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. He knows how to kind of galvanize a locker room, so to speak. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how they use Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, a, a tandem that a lot of coaches struggled getting a, getting a rain on. And let's see how they play together. I mean, Tobias Harris had his best year under Doc Rivers. Maybe that's a, a trend going forward. Maybe he'll be worth hopefully a fraction of the money he's getting paid. Um, I don't know. I... I think the jury's still out on, on how they'll fill out that roster in free agency. I think that play, that'll play a big part of it. They need some shooters. They need like a J.J. Redick, ironically. They let him go. They need a, they need a guy like that going forward. Um, but yeah, my only concern is, is that I feel like this is their last stitch effort to kind of patch things up. I feel like they just went for a big name coach. And if this, if this is the last hurrah, if they can't figure out what Doc Rivers, this this duo's done. And I'm not going to say it's a one or two year experiment because they gave him five years. But if this thing doesn't work in the short term, I think they're going to give up on it uh, between Simmons and Embiid. And they're going to have to pick one. Um, but I, my concern is they didn't go exactly with a fit coach, a, a guy that was going to fit that team. They just went with the biggest name. And to me, that's concerning. Yeah, I mean, I like it. And I kind of, the reason why I picked Doc going to Philly is because, you know, Jason, in the last episode, you kind of alluded to the fact that Doc is more of a developmental coach, right? And you thought he would be going to New Orleans because he would be wanting to work with young players like Zion and Brandon Ingram and Lonzo and all those guys, right? Yep. I mean, Simmons is what, 25? And Bede's not much older. So I, I think he's even younger than that. Exactly. Even better. So I think, you know, these guys, their games aren't fully there yet is what I'm trying to say. And I think that Doc going in there is going to really help their uh, growth as players and their progress going forward. But what should be Doc Rivers' top priority with this team? I mean, first, number one priority, he's got to be molding Ben Simmons. And to me, Simmons seems to be kind of at a crossroads, almost as if he's confused about his identity as a basketball player. You guys say it all the time. Just because the league is heading in the direction of shooting three-pointers doesn't mean you have to shoot threes. Yep. Doc needs to get the ball in Simmons' hands in transition and let him run the floor because he might already be the best in the NBA at that besides Giannis and LeBron. So get Simmons in positions where he's comfortable 
and produce and be the type of player that he's born to be who he naturally is not a shooter, not uh, a power forward. Let him be, let, let him play point guard. He's your best option at doing it. Why not let him? I just think Brett Brown was using him all in, so incorrectly in the half court. You let him play quarterback, distribute the ball with his passing, run the offense through Joel B in the post. From there, you can have him either dominate in the paint or pass out to shooters on the wings and use Simmons sort of as a cutter. But Simmons should never have to shoot the ball from outside. He should never have to shoot from three with Doc Rivers. Just let him run in transition and let him pass in the half court. Yeah, that, that's the number one priority in terms of game planning. But I think the number one thing Doc Rivers should do, 10 minutes into the job, this is what he should do. Give a call to Kevin Garnett. And let him go to practice for 15 minutes. Because if you think of it, this, this Sixers team, as they were like going up and they were kind of in the transition between lottery dumpster fire and, oh my gosh, this team's kind of interesting. Between that, that step, there weren't any veterans on this team. There weren't any Kobe, like legend, mentor type of guys on this roster. They don't know how to win yet. They really don't. And, and what, what's the number one thing that we were outside of Ben, ben Simmons' three-pointers? Are we most concerned about this duo? Motor. Motivation. Are they ready to win? Are they intense enough? Hunger. 100%. Kevin Garnett steps into that, that practice and, and spends 15 minutes with, with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. That'll turn around, I think. So, I don't know. Just call Kevin Garnett. You call Shaq, too. I know Joel Embiid knows Shaq, but <laughs> make calls. <laughs> no, like You know people. You're Doc Rivers. You're a championship-level coach. You know some guys. You coach some guys. Get some guys in, the, in that Philly practice. Get to know these players and, and give them the mentor that they never had before. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that's a great take because, I mean, bringing in a guy like Kevin Garnett, not many players are as fiery and as, uh, what's the word? That guy's just a killer, right? Kevin intense. Garnett. Yeah, intense. Like, always intense. And he still is. He's been out of the league for some time, and he's still, like, if you see interviews with him, he's as intense as anyone. And I, I love that. I think that's a great idea. And for me... Yeah, they're, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Andrew. Their top priority is have Ben Simmons be your true point guard, right? I mean, this is a guy who coming out of the draft, we all kind of compared him to LeBron James. I mean, he's, he's not LeBron level, obviously, but he has a lot of the same traits. He's 6'10", can pass the ball, fast, can defend. He, he just has all these similar attributes to LeBron. And I think he can be that kind of, that point guard that, can see over the defense like a Magic Johnson or a LeBron and can really just spread the ball around, give the ball to Joel Embiid in the post. If you have two, instead of having one guy running the offense, you could have two. You could have one guy in the half-court setting standing above the three-point arc, dictating everything like a quarterback, like you said, Andrew. And then you can have another guy in the post, Joel Embiid, who is also kind of, you know, maybe like a, a diet version of Hakeem Olajuwon who can just kind of pass the ball around, has the fancy footwork down low, can get up the, the fadeaway jumper. I think that adds a lot of layers to your offense. And I think that would be a very interesting way to go about this. And I think that's, that's what I would do. But it's going to be interesting to see what Doc Rivers does for sure. Yeah, X's and O's wise, it's, it's going to be interesting how Doc plays this. Because, Andrew, I'm going to make a football analogy. And I think you'll like this one a lot. Get ready for this. Um. So Ben Simmons is kind of like Lamar Jackson. 
So we we saw. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't get my hopes up. Oh hold on. man. So we saw in Kansas City, well, like going into the Lamar's early career before he won the MVP, the logic would say, drop back in coverage. He's not going to throw the ball down the field. Just just play his receivers. Give him nowhere to go. Ben Simmons comes into the league before he popped. It was like, okay, you can't shoot. Lay off of him. That that's how you should play him. Well that kind of gave him a head of steam that kind of made him more comfortable that kind of made him you know play almost into his more like into his element more especially for Lamar he can escape the pocket he has time to move now we kind of saw it in Kansas City they pressured him and he he was completely out of his element he didn't know what to do if you pressure him and you don't give him many ways to run he's limited and that that's how the defense kind of contorted to Ben Simmons last year they knew the the playbook was instead of laying off of him let's pressure him and, and see if he can maneuver with the ball as best as he can if he was wide open. And he was marginalized. He really was. like, Well, not marginalized because he still put up like crazy stats because he's talented, but the effectiveness and his field of the game was affected. I could say. Is that safe to say? Yeah. So they're, they're similar in that aspect. I, I hope that landed well for everyone. But in terms of how they should play it, there's a dilemma between should Joel Embiid become a stretch five and let – um, ben Simmons control the post or should Joel no. Embiid plant himself under the, under the basket and let Simmons maneuver. That's kind of, the, that's kind of the dilemma. I think Joel is, is going to be more of a back to the basket guy and they're going to have Simmons push it when Joel is tired or he doesn't have the motor or whatnot. I think that's how they'll play it, but it'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. And you bring up an excellent point. The, you know, who's going to run, what part of the floor. And we say this all the time, Jason, play to your strengths. We say this with Giannis all the time. You do not need to shoot threes. Where is Giannis good at? What is he good at? 18 feet and in, right? So then you have Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid isn't, uh, his strength is not being at the top of the key, feed into guys. That's Ben Simmons' strength. Ben Simmons' strength is not being in the post and passing out from there. His strength is being at the top of the key in the half court setting. So I think, play to your strengths play to these guys strengths they they're they're young yes but they've been in the league long enough where they know their strengths and weaknesses i think doc rivers is going to study this and know where to put them and where put them in the best position where they can succeed where does philadelphia stand now in the eastern conference as as currently constituted no free agency no moves no trades as the rosters are in the in the bubble Sixers with Doc Rivers, that's the only change that's been made. How does their playoffs are how are they how are they different and how are they looking next year if the rosters were to stay the same and they just add Doc Rivers? Like are they ahead of the Celtics? Do you put them above Miami, above Indiana? Like where do you put them? I put them above Indiana, but if they match up against the Celtics, the Heat, the Bucks, the Raptors, anything like that, they're not they're not winning. They might win more games, they don't get swept. But this is, the Sixers are a team that still have a ton of moves to make. Adding Doc Rivers is one thing. It's a massive step in the right direction, but there's still a ton of work to be done. They're really tight on cap space, and they're desperate and in desperate need of some shooters. My first move, if I'm Elton Brand this offseason, I'm trading either uh, Al Horford or I'm trading Tobias Harris in a salary dump, and I'm bringing in someone who can shoot the ball, a knockdown true three-point shooter. I'm bringing in someone like a J.J. Redick. I'm bringing in Kyle Korver in his prime. Someone like that, someone who can go from the outside and your one job is just get the ball when Embiid or Simmons pass out and put up threes. That's your only job. That's the first move I'm making. And that way you also have the cap space 
to maneuver in trades, on future trades, or in free agency. But first step is either moving Horford or Harris. Because right now, with those two guys, the Sixers are still kind of middle of pack in the East. Yeah, for me, it's the same thing. It's, you know, if they run into the Bucks, you know, that might be interesting. But I don't see them beating Boston. I don't see them beating Toronto. I don't see them beating the Heat. It's interesting because this is a team that we always say year in and year out, like they have the talent, right? And, you know, maybe with Doc Rivers, it'll it'll be better, right? But, I mean, I already know what's going to happen. If the Sixers get bounced in the second round to, like, Milwaukee, you're going to start hearing it again. Oh, Doc Rivers, you know, he, he can't get past the second round. He can't reach the conference finals, like – it's going to come up again. And I think, you know, it's, that's kind of an unfair situation if you're Doc Rivers. And, but, yeah, I'm with you, Andrew. I, I don't know about trading Tobias Harris. I kind of like his con- contributions off the bench. He, that contract is kind of ridiculous. But if That's the thing. Like, I like Tobias Harris, too, as a player, but you're, at the price you're paying him, at a max level, he's not Crazy. that type of player. Yeah, that's no, he's all. not. He's and, not. If it's, if that, and I think you're more likely to get a team to trade – for a max contract Tobias Harris than a max contract Al Horford. That's all. Yeah, like, I, I like Harris too. Horford. I'm with you but on you're that. Not, but there's no way you get a team to give up a real shooter for Horford in that contract. Yeah, so I know. It's more I mean, likely you're going to be able to give up uh, Tobias Harris. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on the Horford thing. I don't know about t- uh, Tobias Harris. I'll probably be more uh, open to that like as time goes on. But yeah, I mean, the Sixers are definitely a few pieces away from being a contender. Speaking of contenders, Major League Baseball playoffs are underway. I'm excited. I'm enjoying it. We'll give you our thoughts on Major League Baseball playoffs next on The Final Call. Back on The Final Call, Radio Massasoit. This segment is brought to you by scoreboardtimes.com. Scoreboardtimes.com. Show your passion while you're here. I have been enjoying the Major League Baseball playoffs a lot lately. I don't know about you guys. I know the finals were on a couple nights ago. Last night there was Thursday night football, but I've been tuned into the baseball playoffs. Jason, what do you think of them? Do we like the format? Are you in favor of it? Would you keep it beyond 2020? How do we like the playoffs so far? I, I like the playoffs so far. I really do, especially in 2020. is just a, such an unorthodox year. But I'm just looking down the playoff teams now, and I'm Rays, A's, Twins, Indians, Yankees, Astros, White Sox, Blue Jays in the AO. I'm, I don't think anyone's you know getting patronized there. I mean, usually when you expand the playoffs, there's like a couple teams that don't really deserve to be there. I mean, sure the the, the Blue Jays are like kind of young and kind of inexperienced, but out of everyone else, like those are you know good teams. And in the NL, you got the Dodgers, Braves, Cubs, Padres, which Ben and I you. You, we love that team. Uh, Cardinals, Marlins, that, that one's a little on the fringe. Uh, Reds and Brewers. Like, everyone deserved to be there. It's not like the Washington Wizards sneaking in the, the 22 uh, teams in the, in the NBA and we're like, okay, why were they even extended an invite? <laughs> like, right. it, I don't see a team like that here. Um, but, yeah, I've been enjoying it um, a lot. And I, I don't know if I'd keep it beyond 2020. Just because of how year, how weird this year was, I kind of think it's it's warranted to give some of these teams on the outside looking in on a normal year that opportunity to earn their way in. But for this year, I, I've been digging it. Yeah, I would 
love to keep these expanded playoffs, but maybe not in this exact format. I think this year's playoffs have been wildly entertaining. I love that there's been baseball on TV nonstop all day for the last couple of days. To me, it sort of feels like, you know, NFL Sundays, college football Saturdays. It's awesome. I love it. But it's an imperfect format because it benefits bad teams and hurts the teams at the top that won the division. Like, look right. at the Minnesota Twins. They won the division. They had the second-best record in the American League, but were forced to play in a play-in series against the Astros, a team with a losing record this season, and were swept out of the playoffs. I mean, yeah. what's the point of winning your division if you don't automatically make the postseason? I don't really love that. I love the baseball that's being played right now, but it's an imperfect system. I think if Major League Baseball can find kind of a happy medium between having more playoff teams and still having giving advantage to the best teams – I'm 100% on board. I think more baseball is what's best. But speaking of the Astros, everyone's favorite team to beat it up, Carlos Correa had some interesting words following their win over the Twins on Wednesday. I know a lot of people don't want to see us here, but what are they going to say now? You know, we're a solid team. We play great baseball. We won a series on the road in Minnesota. So what are they going to say now? What are they going to say now? <laughs> what are they going to say now? You tone. Deaf, arrogant little prick. Oh, what are we going to say now? We're going to say you cheated to win a World Series. And you, got, you and the rest of the players were never punished for it. And afterwards, you gave, a half, you gave a half-hearted apology and carried on like it never even happened, hoping that the situation would just simply go away. Your team limped into the playoffs with a losing record this year and got by on pitching, not your offense. Your team collectively hit 194 with two, in two games with only seven runs scored but you still won only able to squeak by because the twins hit 119 with two runs. This doesn't erase anything. This doesn't shut up the haters. All it does is prove that you're the biggest tool bag in all of baseball, Carlos Correa. I can't with this guy and I can't with this team. Well, that escalated quickly, right? I mean, we were just talking about friendly <laughs> little baseball brackets. What, you know? what were you going to say next? Exactly. You proved nothing. You proved nothing. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. And I know I'm not exactly a baseball expert, but let me just say this. You didn't beat the Dodgers. You didn't beat the Yankees. Why? You beat the Twins. Who's afraid of the Twins? You guys just, you guys just said it. The Twins are not some, some team to be feared. And also, wasn't Carlos Correa the guy that when everything was going on, he's like, oh, we're not cheaters. Like, we won fair and square. Was he not the player that said this? He was that player. Yep. He was and that player that said that. It sounds a lot like he's trying to brainwash everyone into thinking that oh no they're actually a real team no okay listen you cheated were caught fair like you were caught and you were not punished because you basically snitched for immunity which on the streets that doesn't work carlos and what are you on the streets yeah you have a bunch of street cred now you're from mansfield (laughs) yeah no i don't know but i just don't (sighs) buddy buddy what are we doing like this, like you said, Andrew, this doesn't prove anything. This just proves that you were better than the Minnesota Twins, which a lot of teams were. So I, I hope, you know, they're going to lose the next series, and then everyone's going to be like, well, what are you going to say now, Carlos Correa? I want to hear what he has to say after that, after they lose, because that's really what I'm going to be looking at. Can't stand it. Can't stand it. I do not like cheaters, and this guy is just trying to rewrite history and say everything's fine. It's not fine, buddy. You, you're all scumbags, all of you. They were all rooting against the Astros. Who are we rooting for, though? Who are we liking these playoffs, guys? 
Ben, take the lead on this one. Your, your annual World Series pick, it, it came to fruition, I'll introduce it, came to fruition last year, yep. Washington Nationals, you called it from day one of the playoffs, you, hum- you hopped on that. Uh, you called it from game one of the World Series. That's, that's a good point. Let's, let's slow point. down before that. <laughs> I'm trying to hype you oh, up. Don't tell but anyone. You, you, you hopped on that bandwagon rather uh, early in the, the World Series. I did. Ben, who's your, who's your World Series pick this year? And if you're a front office of this team, you better feel pretty good. Here we go. My pick... The San Diego Padres. I have them going all the way. Oh my god! Over the Dodgers? What? Yep. I don't know about that, but like the, the Padres. <laughs> the Padres are definitely a fun team to watch. I I love Fernando Tatis Jr. That I think ta- he's a great. Tatis, that Tatis kid is real good. Oh, <laughs> you just see the bat flips, and you're like, "Yep, I'm on board." Yep, he's, I'm, I'm totally fun. on board. Oh, <laughs> I love the bat flips. I love this team. I love Slam Diego, but they're just. They're not the LA Dodgers right now. Slam like, Diego. I love that. You haven't heard that? That's not no, even me. I, like that was I love this, that. This shows how much uh, Ben Memory just hey, follows baseball. I just hey, I like the Do- or the Padres a lot more now. Slam Diego. Oh man. That's that's a that's a cool name. It's that's it's awesome. a good name, but they're not as good as the Dodgers. They're not. The Dodgers it, just look at how Clayton Kershaw was vintage last night against the Milwaukee Brewers. Absolutely vintage. I think it was like 13 strikeouts in eight innings. Completely shut out the Milwaukee Brewers. This Padres team is good. They're young. They're exciting. But they don't have a guy like Mookie Betts. They don't have as deep of a lineup as the Dodgers, who have the reigning NL MVP in Cody Bellinger batting sixth. Like, yeah, I I would love to be on that on that train with you. I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is a superstar in the making. I think he's the future of this league, along with like guys like Ronald Acuna and uh, Juan Soto. This Dodgers team just too deep. They're just too deep. I know, and I agree with you. The Dodgers are a better team on paper. <laughs> I agree. I'm just saying that would be so sweet if the Padres won it all. That's all I'm saying because that would just be like, who expected the Nationals to win last year? You. Nope. Oh, exactly. <laughs> me. Me and me alone. So, um, listen. I'm sticking with I'm sticking with my pick. They're probably gonna lose, but hey, Slam Diego, baby! I love that. I should get a T-shirt. Slam Diego. They make that's them, a, I think. You can a, find it somewhere. That is a great name. That's Jason, great name. You're, are you with me with the Dodgers? You got you going Ben the Padres? You got a different pick. My head says the Dodgers because I watched him last night. And Andrew, you brought up a really good point in the group chat last night. Cody Bellinger's hitting sixth. Okay, if you have Cody Bellinger hitting sixth, yeah, you're stacked. Um. But for the sake of being interesting, come on, Jason, come to the dark. I'm, a, side. I'm pulling a Ben May Maritas. Yes, and I'm, I'm I'm pulling one out of left field, pun intended. Well, not actually. Eh, let's just say it. Tampa Bay Rays. I'm gonna pick the Rays to go to go all the way. I think they have the pitching staff. I like I like the manager Kevin Cash. I like their. You know, we talk about the Dodgers lineup being you know lethal. You got Eman Choi, you got Brennan Lau, Willie Adamas, Yanni Diaz, Austin Meadows, Kevin Kiermeyer. They're all, you know, hitting for average. And you know what? They kind of remind me, and Andrew, let me know if I'm off base on this one, but they kind of remind me of that 2015 Royals team that got to a couple World Series, but didn't have like a standout star per se. They didn't have a Mike Trout. They didn't have a Bryce Harper on top of their team. It was just a bunch of unsung heroes that hit for contact, hustled. Base running was important. If you look down the Tampa Bay roster, you know, who's the star? They, they just well-rounded team. They are an incredibly well-rounded team. 
there isn't a true star on their roster, but I don't think it's an exact one-to-one comparison with that 2015 Royals team. That 2015 Royals team might have the, the greatest bullpen in the history of Major League Baseball. That's true. That's you true. know what I mean? And the Rays, the Rays are, have dominant pitching, but it's more in the rotation. Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now. Um, Nick, Nick Anderson's been lights out as their closer, but yep. they've had a ton of injuries this year. And I don't hate the Rays as a pick. I think this Rays-Yankees series and division series is going to be must-see TV. These two I can't teams wait for hate, it. These two teams hate each other. The Yankees and the Rays. It's a it's a complete David versus Goliath type of matchup. But the Yankees, they're you know billion dollar payroll and the small market Rays, who have always just sort of been the little brothers in that division behind the Red Sox and Yankees. I'm excited for this. I just don't know if it's an exact one to one comparison with that 2015 Royals team, just because I think that 2015 Royals team was such an anomaly in terms of their bullpen. Ben, you said you had an interesting take you wanted to make. I did. So, Jason, I like your Tampa Bay Rays pick, and oh, thank you. The Tampa Bay Lightning just won the Stanley Cup, City of Champions. Yep, and there's one person to to thank oh, no. for all this. Come on, come on, <laughs> ushering in a new age of sports greatness to another region is turns mic off. Then the goat, Tom Brady. All of a sudden, Tampa Bay is going to start winning all of a sudden, and it's going to be because of that man. He brings greatness wherever he goes, and that is all I have to say about that. You didn't even bring up his middle name. Say, say it. Say the whole thing. Thomas Edward Patrick <laughs> Brady Jr. Baseball segments with Benny Segway are my new favorite <laughs> My new favorite thing to do on this show. Please, baseball playoffs. Expand the playoffs. More games. I want more baseball segments with Ben. Please. Absolutely. I'm here for it. <laughs> Andrew looks like he's ready to kill me. If you're listening in your car right now, your speakers are on fire. This is a great take. Well thought out, researched, entertaining. I love it. The 12-step program that you took to get there. <laughs> like, I'm kind of mad it was... Oh, my God. Are we really I, I, surprised, though? Are we surprised? N- no, I'm not. But, God, I hate you. I just hate you so much right now. Let everyone in. If you're baseball, let everyone in so we get more more material. More teams. Shout Don't out stop to, at 16. Shout out to Tom Brady, dude. Hey, by the way, Tampa Bay is leading that division right now. The Buccaneers. Go Bucks. How did we get here? Because <laughs> Jason predicted the Tampa Bay Rays, which is a oh, direct... He, oh, yeah. Put that on me. I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> It was a direct segue. Aptly named, Ben. Amply named. You're the worst. This, this went the off the worst. rails really quick. <laughs> you're welcome. Everyone who's listening, you're welcome. I loved every second of it. <laughs> Love to be here. I wanted to talk baseball. <laughs> hey! Somehow we, somehow we got back to Tom Brady. I, I had actual baseball takes this episode. You did, and you were doing really well, but now it's just... Well, first you called it Tatus, and then Andrew and I started talking about bullpens and exit velocity for wanted, too long. I wanted to see like the the look of just dismay on Andrew's face if I mispronounced Tatis's name. Talk about pine tar too too long, and Andrew's you know he wants to yeah. talk real baseball here. So wait, hold on, just to recap, Ben's got the Padres and, and Tatus. I have um, the Tampa, <laughs> the Tampa Bay Rays and then Tommy Brady. Andrew, you're going with the the Dodgers. Is that what you said? I'm rolling with the Dodgers. I just the Dodgers are too deep, they're too oh, stacked. They they're the most complete team in these playoffs. I think it's their time after getting kind of getting cheated out of the World Series two years in a row, making the making the playoffs what ten years in a row now. 
it's just it's time. It is time for the Dodgers team to win a World Series. Do you know who is drafted? Why they're going to do it? You know why they're going to do it, Ben? Because LeBron James is in L.A. And LeBron James is bringing a championship attitude to Los Angeles. Boom. More like, more like they lost the two consecutive World Series. That's real, that's real LeBron losing in the finals. But we won't get into that. But I will say, who was drafted by the Montreal Expos as a catcher? You, so what team is the Montreal Thomas, Expos now? Hey, Thomas ben. Edward Patrick Brady Jr. What, but without looking it up, what team, is, what team did the uh, Montreal Expos become? Honestly, I could not even give you an educated guess. <laughs> exactly. Get out. The Washington Nationals, by the way, your favorite team from last year. Just so oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Will Way. Oh, my God. I love that. Hey, a new layer into my Tampa Bay pick. Look out for Bruce Arians because the, the Rays have hitters. They don't need Gronk to be a hitter. They, they have hitters. <laughs> they don't, they, look out for Bruce Arians to be there, even though he's not supposed to be, wearing his, his Tampa Bay Buccaneers mask. Look out for it. He's, he's a real contributor into this Tampa Bay pick. He's the reason why I'm picking it. Great coach. Love, love every second of what he says. Absolutely. Love it. Heck yeah, man. I'm with you. I think eventually we'll have a real baseball segment on this show. No. <laughs> Maybe it'll come next episode, which we'll see you Keep next dreaming. time. Oh, I will. That's all the time we have for the final call this time around. Make sure you check us out on our podcast page. That can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Final Call MCC. If you're interested in doing some reading, check out thescoreboardtimes.com and newenglandsportunited.com. For Ben Mimaritas, for Jason Snow, this has been the final call on Radio Massasoit. Some kind of way out of here Say the joker to the thief There's too much confusion